we often interpret fear as a stop sign rather than the fact that like, I don't know about you ladies, but I feel scared all the time still when I do stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the difference is, and, and I've found this with lots and lots of women that I've spoken to, really, really, really senior women. They're often scared as well, but they don't let it stop them. I'm scared, but that doesn't mean you're not ready. It doesn't mean you're going to fail. It just means you're about to stretch your comfort zone. And every time you do something that you've not done before, your brain's kind of going, oh, this is a bit scary. So feel the fear, but do it anyway, because that's how you get better and you don't have to be perfect. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lilovich. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we are going back to one of our favorite topics, or should I say, areas of interest, which is psychology. You know, we just love working out why women particularly think the way they think and do what they do as a result of those thoughts. So we've invited along Shona Rowan, and she is an international performance and mindset consultant, inspirational speaker, and coach. She has over 20 years of experience working with organizations and individuals to maximize performance and accelerate success. Our conversation with Shona starts off by talking about mindset because we know it's often the way we think about ourselves that holds us back and stops us from doing the things that we want to do or it stops us from being great. So we have a good chat about mindset and some strategies, some things that we can do, ways we can reset that voice inside our heads to encourage us to push ourselves further. But we also know it's not just about what we think and also about what we do. So Shona also shares with us some new behavior strategies that we should adopt. Yeah, I love how she references that concept that what we think influences how we feel and what how we feel influences how we behave and how we behave influences our actions and therefore our results. And, you know, you're on that continuous circle. You know, if your results are good, then you're actually going to think better about yourself. But unless you actually start taking some action at some point in time, you're never going to see any results and therefore it's never going to influence your thinking. So depending on where you're stuck on your circle of thinking, feeling, behaving and taking action, this is really helpful for you, I think, because she does talk about those different kinds of negative mindsets that, that can impact you and how you're going to take those actions or not. Before we hit play on the interview, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Law CPD. You probably know by now that Law CPD are Australia's premium supplier of online CPD courses. They have a fabulous competition for all of our listeners at the moment that's been running since the beginning of January and concludes on the 27th of March this year. Everyone who enters the competition will receive a discount code to save $25 off a course of their choice. Then in February and March, two people will both win a one-hour online CPD course of their choice. The winners are going to be drawn on the 17th of February, so there is, I think, just enough time to get in before the first draw is going to happen with this episode. And then the second winner will be drawn on the 16th of March. Have I got that right, Lucy? Then at the end of March, Law CPD will draw a major prize winner who will win 10 hours worth of online CPD courses of their choice. And that will set you up for the whole CPD year. The winner for that will be drawn on the 27th of March. So you've got some time, get in there and enter this competition. It's great because everyone is a winner. Visit lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle to enter. 
Hello, Shana. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you. We love talking psychology and I often wish I studied psychology at uni as my double degree, but I'm looking forward to hearing all your expertise instead and unpacking some of the psychology of successful women. Absolutely. Let's start with mindset because I think a lot of our fear and doubt probably stems from our mindset and issues around confidence or imposter syndrome. But let me throw over to you and tell us your views on what we need to know about mindset. Wow, that's a huge, huge topic, actually, Lucy. I guess if you kind of chunk it down, you know, we have thousands of thoughts a day. Researchers say 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And whatever we're thinking about influences our emotions. Our emotions influence our behavior. Our behavior influences our results. So there's this connection between what we're thinking about, what we're saying to ourselves, what we're imagining, what we believe, and how we show up. And, you know, for your viewers, the people listening to this, the results, for example, in the workplace. So, you know, my job and what I love doing and what you and me have spoken about a few times is really helping my clients get really clear and start digging into and accessing and really thinking about are some of those mindsets, are some of those beliefs, are some of those thought patterns that you've got going on, kind of helping you achieve the things that you want in your career and helping you feel great and helping you feel confident and helping you feel resilient or could they be holding you back? And with all of us, because we're all a work in progress, there's always things we can continue to work on. There will be things that we're either thinking about consciously or subconsciously that are keeping us small. They might be stopping us from playing a bigger game, from networking, from saying yes to public speaking, from saying yes to opportunities to speak on a podcast, to start a podcast. You know, look, we've all got stuff that can hold us back. And so, yeah, it's an enormous topic, I guess, in terms of some of the specific, would you like me to share some of the specific sort of mindsets I see? Yeah, give us some examples of some of the unhelpful mindsets that you see. Yeah, so one would definitely, and I'm going to call this unhelpful, and we can debate that even in itself, would be perfectionism. We all work, we're all kind of high achieving women, we work in really you know, dynamic environments, fast paced environments, you know, most of the women that I work with are high achievers, they're really, really smart, they're intelligent, they're amazing. But perfectionism can be such a double edged sword, as I'm sure both you ladies would agree, because when I say, you know, don't be a perfectionist, it doesn't mean you can't have high standards, it doesn't mean you don't want to be the best that you can be, you know, my whole thing is a peak performance consultant, my passion is helping people be the best they can be. But it's kind of realizing where's that difference between chasing this almost unachievable expectation of perfection Mm. versus just being happy with trying to doing the best that you can and trying to be the best that you can be. So as an unhelpful thought pattern and one, when I talk about things like confidence, I always say watch out for perfectionism because people think it's helpful with driving your performance, but when it actually comes to confidence, when it comes to some of those other things like resilience, it can really be unhelpful because what goes with that is often a lot of self-criticism. We set such high standards for ourselves, you know, like when I teach public speaking or something, for example, people who have got that real perfectionism will be the ones that'll have a lot of the fear around it, often the most Mm. fear, or they won't want to get up and have a go because they know they're setting the bar so high and they don't want to fail and they don't want to make mistakes. So I think for the listeners, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, women and men listening that could relate perfectionism. So yeah, watching out for things like that. I know you've talked about imposter syndrome before, but that's a huge one. I coached several women last week as private clients and with every single one that definitely came up. And it's a sneaky thing that we often won't even know it is imposter syndrome. Do you know what I mean? So I was working with this amazing woman. She just achieved this huge goal that we've been working towards. And I was so proud of her. And, you know, even though part of her was super proud of herself, 
she did just went into that thing that we all do where she was like, yeah, but, you know, I was just kind of in the right place at the right time. I was lucky. Yeah, yeah. People really liked me and I was like, and I, and I laughed at her and I said, you know, what's that? And she was like, what? And I said, you know, that's that imposter syndrome voice kind of talking, you know, and we kind of laughed and she was like, oh, I guess so. So I think imposter syndrome is a really sneaky one and I definitely see it with just about all of my high achieving female clients that I work with and it, and it balances up in different ways for all of us. I think another one is just negative comparing. We live and work in environments where we almost get forced to compare. And I think that negative comparing and that critical comparing can, again, just be really unhelpful when it comes to things like confidence. Because, you know, let's face it, we're all really different. You know, you ladies probably got different strengths to me, different weaknesses, different values. We've all got our own kind of bag of stuff that we bring. And if we get caught up in always comparing ourselves to other people that might have a different story or different strengths or different weaknesses or just different natural values or whatever it is, that can be another one to watch out for. And so it doesn't mean you can't look at someone else and admire things and think, oh, that's, I really admire that about them, like, you know, that kind of thing and learn from that. It's when you get stuck into that kind of negative, critical, beat yourself up when you're comparing to other people kind of mindset that I think, we, again, we all do it and social media doesn't help this. I think the interesting thing from all of those mindsets that you've described is that it's not surprising really. It all comes down to that inner voice that people are, are using. Yeah. So it is in our minds. It's not anything that's reflective necessarily of the real world. So it's how we're talking to ourselves. Yes. I know from reading and, and talking to others that there's there's a lot of talk these days about change your thinking to change your world, you know. It's a real kind of like, yeah, rah, yeah, rah, um, you'll be fine. Just yeah, just, yeah. just do some affirmations or something and, and everything will be good again. If only it was that easy, Joe. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> I think that's what's really interesting to me because I think to some extent that does work. You can work with affirmations and positive thinking, but for other people or perhaps for different parts of your life and your mindset, there are other bigger issues that are putting you in the place where you are now. So how do you work with people and help them yeah. know when it's about just being able yeah. to do something more simply and when it's something that they really need to tackle deeper? So I love that question because you're absolutely right. If you change your mindset, will you change your life? Absolutely, you will. Is it going to take time? Yes, it is. And it really depends on what the kind of challenge is. So I love, for example, when I get to work with women privately, at least for a small amount of time, because we all have different things that are holding us back. And so like you said, then when I work with clients, I almost have my kind of short term strategies that you can use to help people in a moment. Like when I work with people and they're about to do a big pitch or something really important and they need strategies to help them deal with nerves, say in a moment, there are definitely short term things, not just mindset, but around your body language and yes. visualization. Power pose. Yeah, we've all heard of the Amy Cuddy power post, stuff like that. But the deeper work, as you said, Joe, takes time because, you know, what causes, and this is the bit that I love, and that's the psychology a little bit. And I like the word psychology more than mindset because I think sometimes people, yeah, it can be dismissed as a bit too lighthearted. And, yeah. and as we all know, it's not because some of this stuff we already kind of know. It's like, well, why haven't we been able to shift it? If we just had to know it, we would all have shifted it because just about every woman on this has probably heard us talk about things like imposter syndrome and they know they shouldn't doubt themselves as much, but changing it is the hard bit, you know, and that's when you do, depending on how deep people want to go. And a lot of my clients do want to go deep and that's why they'll often engage me privately as well. 
it could be anything from your upbringing. It's the messages you heard growing up. It's yeah. the schooling. It's your parents and the way you were raised. It's the life experiences that you had. It's the friends that you had. It was your first job, the managers that you've had, the environments you've worked in. Like it's such a complex thing, someone's psychology, you know? So there are definitely short-term wins and things like affirmations. Absolutely. I use them and I see results with my clients. Mm-hmm. Often I think the bigger challenge is just almost pinpointing what that person's real, you know, they often talk about your core belief or the yes. big root belief mm. that holds lots of other beliefs together. Mm. And I think that is something I love doing again and being that kind of detective almost trying to work out for this specific client versus this one. And a lot of the time to even go deeper than mindset, it's around yeah. identity. Yes. You know, like how do yes. you see yourself? What do you see as a possibility for you? What do you believe isn't a possibility for you? And again, what your parents did as a job and also there's so many layers that come into this if you want to go really deep. So psychology, a lot of it is working out where it kind of started. And then really challenging that and raising people's awareness to some of those things. Like to share a really, you know, um, honest, vulnerable example of mine. You know, with imposter syndrome and things like that, one of the things can be if you're like the first person in your family to be in, you know, what do you call it, like academia and, you know, yes. all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yep. And I was. Me too. Oh, there you go. And so no mm. one had kind of told me that. I worked it out through reading loads and loads and loads around imposter syndrome and the research. And I was like, wow, maybe that's why I've always just, like it took me a long time to feel comfortable in that space because that wasn't the norm. My parents weren't from that space. No one else in my family had been to uni, but other people that I knew whose parents were lawyers and doctors and engineers, you know, some of those things weren't there. So it's really interesting and it's fascinating. And that's why psychology for me, there's just so many layers in it, you know, and you can go back as deep as you want. Yeah. I think like Lucy, psyche is something that I always wanted to study as well. But when I saw how long it was going to take me, I kind of put it on the back burner. Maybe when I'm older (laughs) in another 10 years. So looking, you mentioned some short-term strategies. What are some immediate things that people can think about? You use the difference of the language between psychology and mindset and we hear wellness. We hear all these different kind of words now. And I think that whatever it takes really for get to get someone on board is, is, is a good thing. Yeah. But what are some of the short-term things that you often put in place with people? My first thing I always say to my clients is we spend so much time, and again, I'm sure most of the women on the call can relate to this, becoming aware of our body language. So a lot of us have done leadership courses. We've done stuff. We, we, a lot of people I work with at least have got some consciousness around that. Not everyone. So when I work with people, I'm like, let's switch that now a little bit to your internal dialogue. So let's start becoming aware Say in a moment when you start to freak out or right before you're about to say something and you hold back or you're about to, you want to go into that performance appraisal and you know there might be a difficult conversation, start becoming in that moment really aware of like what are you telling yourself? Like what are you expecting? What are you saying? So what are the words? Your brain loves words and your brain also loves pictures. So what are you imagining? What are you picturing? And it's about, if I kind of really, really chunk it down, kind of becoming much more conscious And taking some control back of that, of the pictures, of the words, so that you feel, because again, all of that is impacting how you feel in a moment. So, you know, when I do big presentations, I'm so conscious right before I walk on to speak to 150, 200 people. I only let positive things in my mind. I'm very conscious about thinking this is going to go great. I've prepared for this. I've done this a million times. And so it's kind of a short-term strategy is become, so it's all kind of linked, I guess, but become aware, start becoming really aware of what you're saying, because Mm. you need to tap into your own, they call it the gremlin, you know, they call it your negative inner voice, whatever you want to call it. What's that voice that's holding you back? 
And then you need to start challenging it and coaching it and almost, you know, having a bit of a conversation with it like you would with a friend. And you need to, I'm making it sound much more simplistic than obviously it, it takes time in practice, but you need to start flipping those and thinking, what's a more helpful thought? What do I need to be thinking? What do I need to be focusing on so that I feel more comfortable in this moment? Because if you look at people that are scared of certain things versus someone who's maybe not scared of that exact same thing, they just think different things about it. Do you know what I mean? They've got different beliefs about it. Or So like with networking, I'm sure some of the women on the call can relate to that. If I work with people and some struggle with networking and some don't, they see themselves as a networker differently. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of starting to really hone in to what am I saying? What am I pitching? And take back some control of that. In a broader context, because I like that you use the word wellness, you know, we are holistic beings and all the women on the call would know that. So things like even just looking after yourself does come in. You know, like when I teach resilience, we're much more likely to feel resilient and to feel confident when we got some sleep and we're not running on empty and we're not being everything for everyone else and leaving ourselves till last. So well-being and things like that definitely come in as well making time to just switch off, which links into things like not being scared to say no, not trying to keep everyone happy all of the time. You know, there's so many parts that start to link in, but in terms of really short strategies, it is, it's changing your thoughts. It, even things like creative visualization. I don't know if either of you ladies, ladies have tried that, but there's so much research. I've tried it. Loads of my clients have tried it. And also another, another tip actually, so your, your subconscious mind is most receptive first thing in the morning, like when you just wake up and you're all sleepy and last thing at night, right before you fall asleep. So the best time to, if you like, almost like self-hypnosis and I'm a certified hypnotherapist is to say those things or to picture those things when your brain is in its most receptive state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have an important pitch coming or some, you know, something that you're perceiving as a bit fearful coming in, say, a week, for the week before, lie in bed every night, you know, before you fall asleep, kind of picture it going really, really well. Say, I'm going to do this great. See yourself doing it well. Tell yourself all the positive things that you want to happen. And research says that your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between something you, you visualize really clearly and something that you actually experience. So, you know, two strategies, quick wins, definitely visualization and self-talk. This episode is brought to you by us, Managing the Juggle. We want to ensure more women feel like they're living the dream of a successful career and a fulfilling family life. If this message resonates with you, then get in touch to find out how we can be booked to speak at your next event or conference or in-house with your organization. For more information, visit our website and go to the link www.thejuggle.com.au forward slash speak. I've actually heard that about your mind before. That's interesting. And as you've been explaining those strategies, you've reminded me of one that I heard about recently. I was listening to a podcast by Leanne Hughes first time facilitator. Jo, you might have listened to this episode as well because I know you listen to her podcast. She's a friend of yours. But she had an interview a couple of weeks ago with Mark Bowden and it was about the topic of the interview was about body language. But he gave a little strategy for facilitating and for speaking. And Leanne asked him a question about how do you read the audience to see if they're kind of into what you're saying or not? And his answer was basically, I don't, because it's almost impossible to understand or to interpret what you think somebody else is thinking just by the way that they're sat in your room. And so what he does is anytime he has a thought, like, you know, that person doesn't look very interested in what I'm saying, you know, she's on Facebook, whatever it might be, he follows it up with the word maybe. So he'll say, well, she looks disinterested, maybe, you know, she looks like she's enjoying it, 
maybe. Love it. And just by adding that word maybe, it kind of completely changes the negative thoughts that you might otherwise have continued with. Totally. And you've really nailed on something there that you've reminded me to mention. So I'm glad you said that. So the phrasing they often use for that is negative mind reading. So it's another kind of textbook unhelpful thought pattern. And the great example is public speaking. And it's also in meetings or when you meet someone for the first time, a lot of us will go into negative mind reading and we'll think they didn't like us or they look bored or, and the public speaking one is so true. Like when you speak to a big group, your brain will hone out anyone who's maybe body language is a bit off, you know? So challenging those thoughts so that you can perform in the moment. Another one's catastrophic thinking, which leads to that, like imagining worst case scenarios, all those sorts of mindsets can really kind of block us. And to your point though, the body language is another one that works just really well with mindset. You know, people judge us on what we and how we come across, whether we like it or not. So when you include those external, all the great Amy Cuddy stuff around body language, combined with all the internal mindset psychology we're talking about, but that's when it really becomes kind of rock solid. You need to really change the mindset, not just the behavior, if you want it to be authentic, confident. When you were talking about those strategies, it reminded me of the book that I'm reading at the moment, um, Alter Ego by Todd Herman. Have you come across it yet? I haven't read it, but it's got on my list now, Joe. I love a good book. And Todd's a high performance coach and he's mostly specializes with sports, but does other stuff as well. As the title suggests, it's all around this idea of creating your alter ego. So if you're going to be on the tennis court or speaking in front of a room, become your alter ego. So who is your alter ego? And it might be a real life person or an imaginary person from a TV show or something, but it could also just be someone that you create in your mind Mm. who's got certain characteristics and you kind of step into your alter ego. Like Beyonce. Yeah. He mentions her in the book yeah. and a few others. One of the things I really liked about it was that he didn't just talk about it from a work perspective. So he was saying you can use your alter ego in any part of your life. So you might actually use it in how you parent your children or with how you are with your partner or, you know, how you are in at work or, or, or with your friends, whatever it is, you can kind of pick an area of your life to have that alter ego and you know, he talks then about this idea of fake it till you make it and how you don't actually have to do that. And it's not about doing that. It's finding some sort of technique to draw what's in you out. Out. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's like removing, and that's those analogies around, it's kind of removing what's blocking you. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to become something else. Often, like with my clients, it's genuinely helping them remove some of those limiting beliefs or those fears that are stopping them from just being more of who they really are already. Yeah. And like when you teach, when I teach impact and stuff like that, it's like fear is the number one block to impact. So if you could just remove someone's fear and give them a bit more confidence, they naturally are just more engaging or happy or better at networking even. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that about it. It's not about changing who we are. Sometimes it's just removing those fears and those layers that are stopping us from just letting ourselves, you know, be whoever we want to be. And I, I love that alter ego. And to your point around it's not just in the workplace, yeah. that's so true of everything we talked about before because, you know, negative mind reading, catastrophic thinking, comparing ourselves to others, perfectionism. That could be with everything. Yeah, in all areas of our lives. Running a business, being a mum, being a great sister, wife, whatever it is. So, and those patterns, research says we do get stuck in patterns, just like we get stuck in behavioural patterns. So if you are a perfectionist, you're probably a perfectionist everywhere, (laughs) you know? Mm. And if you love to overanalyze things, you probably do that in different parts. It's not what's going to stop in the workplace, is it? Mm. 
I feel like I'm being analysed. No. <laughs> and I'm flicking back to the fact that I've been talking and I've been telling a few people about it because I want to do it. I think I was telling Lucy about this the other day. I want to set my school zone up at home, you know, for all my kids. And I was even talking about it in our Facebook group and asking for everyone to show me what they've done so that I can create it. And we've just moved house, so I haven't created it yet. But I said the other day, I just need to put something there and then iterate and then iterate because at the moment I'm kind of like, I need to get this new piece of furniture in order for me to do it. And I'm like, just stop with the, I need to get, just put something together. And that's such a classic thing that I do. A lot of my clients do that as well. You have this such a big, bold, great, amazing goal, like a website, yeah, like whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. and you just, and then you block yourself. It's like, just yeah. start. Just, just do start. something. Like yeah. imperfect. Give yourself a shallow on-ramp. I love that kind of quote. Just oh, yeah. get moving because you're always going to be able to improve and there's always mm. going to be more, you know? Yeah. So I, I totally can personally relate to that as well, you know. In your experience, Shona, working with professional women, what do you see as being some of the keys to success? I know we've spoken a lot about psychology and mindset, but what kind of behaviours do you think are really key? So if we part the psychology piece, I do a lot around things like, I think a lot of women, and this is something I should add because it goes from mindset to behaviour, I think a lot of women, and I was definitely one of them, and just about every, you know, so many women I've worked with had this belief, a lot of us have this belief that our hard work will speak for itself. And we kind of believe, or we used, or we used to believe this until we realised that's not the case. So I'm sharing that for everyone on the podcast. And then you realise that actually, if you, we work in really competitive, dynamic, amazing environments, if you just work really hard and hope that someone's going to promote you or notice that or value you without you needing to do any of that almost self-promotion or profile raising yourself, you could get left behind. And we've all seen this happen or maybe it's happened to us. And then we realise, hold on. Like you said, there's other behaviours and things we need to do in addition to delivering great work if we want to have the career of our dreams. So to your point, absolutely things about you know their profile, thinking about their brand, thinking about how they can be visible, making sure that they're not just this best kept secret, especially if you know nowadays you might not even be based in the same building or the same country as your manager. You know, we work in these really global dynamic everything's all over the place now so I think profile visibility brand I do a lot with helping women you know I use that sort of step up and stand out phrase I think a lot of us especially in the Australian culture and I spend a lot of time in the UK which I know you ladies can relate to but both of those cultures they're not cultures of kind of really play big you know I think Mm. there's the whole poppy syndrome thing in Australia which I've really felt again moving back having been away for so long so I think a lot of women I work with either don't realize the importance of or they have some of those mindset psychology blocks around profile, visibility, brand, authentic self-promotion. You know, we even use the word self-promotion and most of us cringe or people are like, Mm. oh, I hate that. And we all think of someone who does it, you know, maybe in such an extreme in-your-face way that people are like, I never want to be like that. And then they go the other way and, in fact, don't do any at all then because they don't, you know, they think of that extreme example. So I think things around that, relationships, networking, it's one of the modules in my course. The more people that know you, like you, trust you, the better. And I think what I always have to say with my clients, it's not even just can they help you, it's that ripple effect. It's like like when you and me let Lucy, it's like, well, who does Lucy know that might, I might be able to help? Or who do I know that could help Lucy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like those compounded networks. And people do work with people they know, like, and trust. So making time for that, I think a lot of women as well, because we're all so busy, 
it can be one of the first things that falls off the agenda. And I see this all the time. You'll see women go, oh no, it's okay. I'll stay back and finish the presentation. And other people will go to the networking event. Yeah. And so many things happen at that networking <laughs> event. So I think just really realizing that so much does happen in those informal situations. And it's so easy when you're busy to not want to go. But I know from my own world, and again, with all my clients, so many things happen. So many of my most amazing opportunities have come when I could never have planned it. They weren't a formalized situation. It was through a friend of a friend or you're having social drinks and someone happened to come along that almost wasn't even on the list and those amazing things happen. So I think just being really conscious of networking and meeting people, helping others, you know, those, I love that whole thing around look for win-win relationships. You don't have to get on with everyone and you won't and everyone has their own style and that's one of the things I love teaching women that I think it took me a while to work out, which is like, we all have the, our own way of doing things. Like, you know, Lucy might have her own things that she loves doing with networking and Joe might love LinkedIn and I might love doing face-to-face -face coffees. Like a lot of it is also just finding a way that works for you underneath some of these behaviors that we know we need to do, but you don't have to do them in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm, Find a way that yeah. works for you to raise your profile. Find a way that works for you to make sure you are getting connected and building your network, you know. Another one, obviously, is around communication skills. So I do do a lot helping women with their credibility, with their confidence, with their impact. I was in London in December, did a whole bunch of these with like DLA Piper and companies like that because we all know, again, you know, we'll do things like we'll downplay our achievements or we'll say sorry all the time and we apologise a lot and we, you know, we, <laughs> I've seen people stand up and I'll share this again so no one on the call does it, but I've seen really like senior women even stand up at events and start with like an apology or whatever and so I think, you know, there's a lot around thinking about how we communicate and things that we can do or not do to boost our credibility, to boost our personal impact, to boost our confidence when talking and that can be to small groups, one-on-one -on -one or bigger groups. So some of those things are big. Do you find that these kinds of keys to success are more difficult for women who are in male-dominated industries? I don't know if difficult, maybe. I definitely think you need to be very aware of them if you are because, as you said, if you work in a, you know, a stereotypical kind of male-dominated or just a really competitive environment, yeah. if you then sit back and hope that people are just going to notice when there's lots of other people that don't have baggage around self-promotion, that aren't scared to jump on LinkedIn and write their opinion and share six posts, you can see how over time... Yeah. Just their profile is going to be bigger. Yeah. People are going to know them more. And so, and then that's why I think I'm so passionate about helping women with this because I meet so many women who are so talented, so hardworking, so amazing, but they either don't realize the importance of some of these things or they've got real blocks around how to do it in a way that feels authentic and not cheesy and not in a way that doesn't fit their personality preference or they're an introvert versus an extrovert. But making sure they can do them, like you said, Joe. you know, like find a way to grow your profile, find a way to work on your communication skills, find a way to feel more confident. doesn't mean you have to be arrogant, but if you don't believe in yourself and what you bring, then other people probably aren't going to either. So, you know, we all need to do some work on these things. So to your point, a lot of the people that I get engaged to work with do work in highly competitive or male-dominated industries. Yeah. So, Shanna, do you have a mantra? <laughs> but loads, Lucy. Either one for you or one that you encourage your, maybe one you encourage your clients to live by. Oh, so many. One I heard the other day that I just think is a really fun one. It's kind of a more in the moment one. And you might have heard it that Katy Perry used at the Super Bowl. She just always says, like, you've got this or I've yeah. got this. I think that's a really nice one. 
before I go on for big events or when I'm in a stressful situation, I always just kind of think like, you've done this before, you're ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. the, it's not like a massive like, wow, that's a really exciting thing to say. Yeah, yeah. it's more almost, yeah. I always say to my clients, what would you love like me as your coach or a great friend to say to you that would support you in that moment? And yeah. say that to yourself because that's what we're really searching for. We're searching for that supportive inner voice and often we get that from other people. But kind of think about what you need to hear in that moment. I do love the whole feel the fear and do it anyway. I do yes. say that. I know that's a really famous one. I say that a lot to my clients because, again, research says that women, we often interpret fear as a stop sign rather than the fact that, like, I don't know about you ladies, but I feel scared all the time still when I do stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the difference is, and, and I've found this with lots and lots of women that I've spoken to, really, really, really senior women, you know, they're often scared as well, but they don't let it stop them. They just them. push through it. Yeah, yeah. they just push I've seen through that. It. I know, like, yeah. You know, I'm scared, but that doesn't mean you're not ready. It doesn't yeah. mean you're going to fail. It just means you're about to stretch your comfort zone and every time yes. you do something that you've not done before, your brain's kind of going, oh, this is a bit scary. So yes. feel the fear, but do it anyway, you know, do mm-hmm. it anyway because that's how you get better and, again, you don't have to be perfect. So I think some mantras like that, some mantras like that I love. <clears throat> and maybe that your mantras are your advice, but is there a separate piece of advice that you'd give to women who are managing this juggle of work and career and family? A couple of things already linked to what we said. One, just watch out for perfectionism. I bet you you're just, and, and kind of give you credit, you give yourself credit for all you've achieved. I think women can be so self-critical. And when mm. I work with women and get them to tell me about what's great about them, they often just like, oh, I need a moment to think <laughs> about my strengths. But if you said, you know, tell me about your development areas, tell me about your weaknesses and things like that, they're just straight, ready to go. So mm. I think, what, you know, be kind to yourself, drop the self-criticism. Another one would just be kind of, Focus more on you. I think it's easy to get really caught up in what everyone else is doing and the comparisons. And I keep reminding myself of this and all my clients of this. Get connected to what your goals and dreams are, what your values are. What are your natural strengths and what, what makes mm. you unique? It is that stuff around you're really, you are really running your own race. You are working in a, in a wider environment. But if you focus more time on being the best you can be and less worrying about what everyone else is doing, It'll also just help with your resilience and things like that. You know, the whole control, the controllables. So I think, yeah, watch out for perfectionism. You know, watch out for too much self-criticism. Stay in your kind of lane, focus on you. And just really kind of believe in yourself and what you bring to the table. I think most of us really downplay and minimise how much we've done and how much we've got going for ourselves. So reconnect to your strengths and all those amazing things about you. It's a nice way to finish it off. Uh So if it wasn't already obvious from hearing us talk, we're going to let everyone know that you do offer coaching and workshops and events (laughs) and that people can obviously find out more about you on your website, which is shonarowan.com and that you've also got a program that you, that you run as well. And I understand that they can find more about that there on that website too. Yes. Either way they can find it. Yeah. It's my, my signature program for women is called the psychology successful women. So I also have a website, just www.psychologysuccessfulwomen.com. Great. Okay. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much, ladies. I really enjoyed that. I could have spoken to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Shona. And we'll include all your website links in our show notes so people can go there. Oh, great. Because there's a free training they can download as well if they want some of those tips. Awesome. Brilliant. What's the training? It's called five success strategies for high achieving women. And it's on my website. I can send you the separate link, Lucy. Lovely. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Shona. Bye. Don't forget to head to lawcpd.com.au forward slash the juggle where you can enter their competition to win some free CPD. 
And don't forget also to join us in our Facebook community. You can find all the links to everything on our website, thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.